Shark Buggly. Shark Buggly. Shark Buggly. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shark Buggly. Number eight, can you believe? And we're still going. Other things with the number eight. Feet in length are the largest normal koala's appendix. Kilograms of chocolate eaten per person per year in the UK. And the most mutton legs found in the stomach of one shark. Speaking of mutton, Howard found an unusual handy hint from cookery writer Elizabeth Craig. For what was it again, Howard? To improve the flavour of frozen mutton, put the joint into a bowl, cover with boiling water in which you have dissolved a piece of soda the size of a hazelnut. So I presume that's like a bicarb or something Mm. like that. After about 20 minutes, take the joint out, wash with cold water, then dry on a cloth and season before cooking. Treated thus, foreign mutton tastes equal to English. So No. (laughs) No. Sorry, Elizabeth. I I can't imagine how you would have come up with the idea of rubbing your mutton with a hazelnut-sized piece of soda (laughs) and thinking, shall we see what it tastes like now? Is that from her woman saucepan and a wine? No, woman woman wine and a saucepan. Oh, no. If it were from woman wine and a saucepan, she'd just get a drink and then she wouldn't know what where a mutton was from would she <laughs> do you know I, I love mutton i prefer mutton to lamb yes i totally understand it's got more flavor hasn't it yeah i'm going to the dentist which i hate going to it's for was it tomorrow i seem to be everything tomorrow don't i anyway it's tomorrow yeah and i had a time of 10 30 i've had this time of 10 30 for ages about six months anyway two days ago got a phone call from the dentist could you make it 10.40, please, Miss Johnson. Yes, no problem at all. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah. A bit later that day. Oh, hello, it's the dent. Can you make 10.45? <laughs> uh, yes, I can make 10.45. Well, yesterday, kid you not, phone call again. Hello, Miss Johnson, it's the, the dentist. Oh, hello. Could you make it 10 o'clock, please? I said, well, I can make it 10 o'clock, but please can we not change it anymore because I have not got enough room now on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully it's staying at 10 o'clock. So far, so good. Yeah. You'll probably have to wait a little bit before you go in in any case. So the idea that they can be so specific about time is... uh... (laughs) Are you any good at the dentist? Because I'm not. I quite like dentists. I I mean, I spent a lot of my formative years in dentists. I have a a condition, if you like. So as a child, my teeth were were never properly... The enamel never, never properly formed on them. On my file, in big block capitals, without a word of a lie, it says, nervous wreck. It's true. I'm hopeless. I've, Peter's I've... like that. Peter's oh. like he, he, he has to have an injection for cleaning. Yeah, he does. Good Lord. Jeez. Yeah. Is he still outside so... that corridor? Have you let him in this time? <laughs> he's, still... <laughs> he's not been there all week. So what have you been? Have you doing some more classes? Yeah, I, I've been doing more classes. So what, what did we do last weekend? Oh, lemon drizzle cake, Ooh. and uh, which which was uh, quite successful. I did a, a version of the lemon drizzle cake for somebody who lives at altitude, which um, you, you <laughs> <Quite> <laughs> in Scotland. No, no, it, I, I don't know actually where it is, and this is awful not knowing specifically. She told me exactly how many feet that they, they live at, or how many meters above sea level they are, and it's a lot. 
Um, but there are kind of websites where, <laughs> where you have to make adjustments to the recipe according to how many uh, feet above sea level you are. Hey. So apparently, um, I think you turn the oven up and don't bake things for as long and you put less raising agent in and a bit more liquid and it's all these adjustments that you have to make and obviously i know nothing about baking at altitude well i know obviously i live in a tower block but it's not the same thing so i was i was, it was a bit of a kind of shot in the dark anyway it turned out perfectly for them they said that they tried a certain well-known ex-judge of the bake-offs uh, lemon drizzle cake before <laughs> and it was like a pancake but my adjusted recipe for them was was very successful so yeah so i'm uh, i'm 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 now suddenly overnight an expert in in baking at altitude good lord yes you can have an altitude calculator yeah presents the art and science of baking at altitude i see we're fairly high up there aren't we where we are is this, is this why I'm going wrong when, with my cakes and things, Howard? You see, I would have no idea how many feet above sea level we're at. I don't know even how you find out. Wait here, Howard, I've got it. Question is, uh, at what altitude is baking affected? Yeah. It says elevation influences the internal temperature of cakes throughout the baking and cooling periods. And it is two and a half thousand feet above sea level. Right. So hang on then, two and a half thousand feet. How high are we above sea level? Hang on. Have you got some way of testing it? You seem to be. <laughs> yes. I'm 1,749 feet above sea level. So there we are. Oh. So yeah, so two and a half thousand. Yeah. So I've no excuse. My, my baking's just absolutely <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> oh, but you're on the cusp, aren't you? You're sort of heading in that direction. I've, I've been on the cusp a long time, lovely. <laughs> I have. What did you know about another thing we've learned, Howard? I tell you, the things, yeah. the things. You see, these are the sort yeah. of things we should have learned at school. Oh, absolutely. Not, <laughs> not logarithms or what was it? Oh, I know. Oh. I know. There's, isn't there a lot of stuff that you do learn at school? It's sort of in the garden now because you, you like your garden, don't you? But I've told you, you can come round and do ours. But nettles <laughs> are just starting to peep up now, H. And nettles, oh, nice. I was looking at one of my old books as well, and nettles was very big in the early days. But, of course, when you think about it, what do we hear when you get sort of um, superstar chefs on? They're all for raving about nettles, aren't they? Oh, yeah, and wild garlic and all sorts of things like that. Mm. Yeah, I love, love kind of foraged things. I'm having a look, see if Elizabeth Craig coming too much contact with nettles by the looks of it <laughs> she's got natchez what, what? Natchez. excuse me Nat that sounds as something under a very large male sheep <laughs> <laughs> well that's funny actually because my mum always used to say nadgers yeah for that's what i <laughs> no, mean but no but she re was referring to a pain in her legs <laughs> so she'd say <laughs> I've got, I've got nudges in my legs. <laughs> it's like <laughs> she was ahead of her time, wasn't she? Your mum. <laughs> well, she'd be horrified if, if it has another meaning. So <laughs> let's have a look. What six, seven, nine? See, um, see what Liz says. H. Nudges. Oh, there, there must be a fruit. I think. Oh yeah, South African nudges. 
don't know what they are. Come into season in August, along with English apples, bananas, blackberries, crab apples, damsons, etc. How are you spelling it, H, please? N double A. N double A. T J E S. T S. I've got Natchez Concrete Incorporated at Sioux Falls in the States. Hang on, here we go. Natchez name origin. Let's have a look at this. Origin, Dutch. Yeah, it does look Dutch. And and that would sort of tie in with the South African link, wouldn't it? Well, oh, now related. Related searches to said Natchez. Mandarins. Ah. Mm. So is that what we're thinking of? I think so. I think she's spelling it differently. So if you do a search for N-A-A-R-T-J-I-E. What happens then? That comes up with satsumas and mandarins, doesn't ah, it? Absolutely nothing to do with nettles. No, nothing in that, nothing <laughs> about nettles. Do you ever cook with nettles? Do you know, I don't think I have. It's one of those things where I think if it's been on the menu, I would have it. Because hmm. I, I love, if I see something on a menu that I've never had before, I go for it. You know, I, I, I love doing that. But any berries and things that, or um, or stuff that, that's kind of smoked in wood ash or something. Mm. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah, let's try that. Glyn's mum used to make nettle beer. Did she? Yeah, and it, it was it was a bit powerful. Uh, not so much the drinking of, but the bottling. And there was many a tale of um, corks being popped in boots or uh, in the garden and <laughs> flung over the... <laughs> Flung over the fence to somebody going, ow! Yeah, apparently I'm though. of like, hey, big spender, I don't pop my cork for every man I see. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at this and it says, yes, bottles with corks for the nettle beer have to be tethered the same as those filled with champagne. Failure to oh. do this will lead to explosive outcomes. We see dear Glyn's mum hadn't got the access to what we have nowadays. So, yeah, there was all sorts of all sorts of things going on. But also, nettle beer is very tasty, but if you want to make it at home, only use the leaves, H, because the stems oh. have a, well, an effect, and very quickly too, if you see... An like, effect? You know, you shouldn't eat too many um, chewing gums. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I yes. know what you mean. Yeah. So it's only the leaves, <laughs> not the stems. <laughs> what? It just reminded me of that. Do you know, we had, a, we had a similar conversation, didn't we, some years ago, when I had a little bit of a problem in the downstairs department, and you suggested a water bottle with a squirty uh, <laughs> a sports cap on it, and you said, take one of those to the toilet with you. And what you were meaning was to use it to clean, because it was a kind of portal to a public toilet at a festival. You were meaning clean it just to be make yourself more comfortable. Yes. And I mistook this and thought <laughs> I was to be, use it to clean myself. <laughs> I have to say, I didn't use it for that purpose, but I thought... Oh, that's very open-minded of, of Katie to suggest that, like a little B-day. <laughs> we have heard from several listeners this week. Oh. And not, not one of them said, turn off. Not, not one. So that's good. So we had Julie, who's listening in Illinois, loves the podcasts oh. and lots of happy smiley faces. So thank you to Julie. Sandy in Leeds in the UK, who says she is our biggest fan. 
We've heard Claire in Worcestershire, Gwyneth in Cheshire and Mick from Bewdley in the UK who mentioned the name Elizabeth David and says, Katie, have you ever come across any of her recipe books? Now, I thought, I know the name, but what else do yes. we know about her? So is that ringing any bells for you? It is. So a few weeks ago, we talked about David Meller, the cutler who used to have a, oh, still, I think, in London, under under that name, has a, has a um, cookery equipment shop. And Elizabeth David used to have one as well. So Elizabeth David shops used to, so she was a, a cookery writer, but she also branched out into doing cookware in shops as well. But huh. I don't think the Elizabeth David chain still exists as far as I know, Well, sadly. She's listed as arguably the most influential cookery writer of the past century and was uh, credited with transforming the taste of the nation as well as bringing the cuisines of provincial France and Italy to the dining France, tables of yes. Britain. Yeah. I think French Provençal cooking or cookery was one of her big titles. When she published her first book, Mediterranean Food, in 1950, post-war rationing was still in place and olive oil was something one bought from a chemist in a bottle marked for external use only. And British housewives <laughs> were making do with spam, dried egg and overboiled cabbage. And she changed all that. And she went on to oh. write eight more books, sold more than two million copies worldwide. She died at home in London, 78 years old. What an amazing woman. Have you, have you ever heard about the story of her? She's remarkable. No. I feel I need to get this, this book all about her life because she was from an upper-class family, pursued a rebellious and bohemian life as a student of art and then an actress in Paris before running off with a married man to Greece and then settling in Cairo, where she worked for the British government. And after the Second World War, she returned to England where she was shocked by poor food into writing the first articles, which then went on to have her Mediterranean cookery. And there's a lovely couple of quotes she's done, Howard. Every day holds the possibility of a miracle. That's one of hers. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one. There are people who take the heart out of you and there are people who put it back. Isn't that lovely? Oh, that's true, isn't it? Lovely. Oh, so what a woman. I thought there was quite a famous picture of her, probably in later years, with her wearing... A kind of top similar to the one that I'm wearing today, this kind of Breton striped top, because you could imagine that, couldn't you, I suppose, if uh, if her influence was very much kind of French Provençal yeah. cookery. I thought you were look, either a cross between a sailor and a, and a thief. Yes, <laughs> that's, the, that's exactly the look I was going for today. And you know, horizontal stripes don't work for everybody, but for Howard, you're okay, lad. Well, they're, they're fine if you can only see the top half of me. It's just the, the bit underneath. Oh, and she's got yes. a blue plaque. Oh. Oh, I'd love a blue plaque, me wouldn't too. you? Yeah, I would. I know it's sort of selfish. I don't know whether... It, Again, would would um, listeners outside of the UK know what a blue plaque is? For those that Perhaps don't, we explain. yeah, a yes. blue plaque. Usually by English Heritage, but a few local councils do them as well. And it is situated outside maybe a famous person or a person that's done an awful lot. Maybe a doctor and um, anaesthetic or something. And it's usually outside where they were born, or maybe where they perhaps worked isn't it so there's always a plaque yes. on something i love this 
So yes, there's one for Elizabeth David by English mm -hmm. Heritage. What would yours say though, Howard? Because it says here, Elizabeth David, 1913 to 1992, cookery writer, lived and worked here. Do you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because recently we had to fill in the census and it asks you what your occupation is. And do you know, I thought I had no idea. It asks what, what kind of area of, of work do you work in? And it's sort of food, but also kind of entertainment, isn't it? So in years to come, kind of in a hundred years when they publish that, they'll probably think I was some kind of clown juggling tomatoes or something. Would you take them out the tin first, Howard? Yeah, I'm looking at blue plaques and it does seem to be in the United Kingdom. In other countries, there might be commemorals, oh, one of those words again, Howard, commemorals. <laughs> Commemorative. That's it. Yes, so there might be one of those plaque schemes. Not all of them use blue plaques, apparently. So they are. And in the United oh. States, commemor those plaques, similar to those used in Europe, are called historical markers. Oh. So there's a National Trust for Historic Preservation or the US government through the National Register of Historic Places can bestow historical status with a small bronze marker affixed to the building. And of course they have the sort of oh, handprints, don't they, on uh, outside Grauman's Chinese Theatre and things like that. Mm. We've, we've got some uh, sort of plaques outside the uh, town hall in, in Sheffield, which I think have got about eight or possibly ten famous Sheffield people and then they kind of ran out I think. Yeah we've got feet marks around us it's where the cat walked through the cement when it was still wet. Oh lovely. <laughs> Do you have any blue plaques or historical markers where you are? We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at theshatbaggerly.co.uk and we're on social media too. Thank you for listening have a good week and we'll see you next time.